When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Peak Northwest, an outdoors and travel podcast by The Oregonian and Oregon Live, dedicated to the adventure and exploration of our beautiful Pacific Northwest. I'm Jamie Hale. And I'm Jim Ryan. And together, we're taking you to some of the most beautiful and interesting destinations in our region, discussing where to go, what to do, and places to see. Today, Jamie, we're talking about yurts, those iconic round shelters found around the Pacific Northwest, and really, at this point, the whole country. Yurts are everywhere, Jim. Everywhere. They're a thing, I think. I mean, decidedly so, I would have (laughs) to say at this point. I want to talk later on about how to book a yurt, maybe some specific fun things about them. But before we get into that, I want to talk about the surprising history of yurts here in the state of Oregon. You recently actually wrote about that. Yeah, Jim, uh, back in December, I wrote a story called How Yurts Helped Save Oregon State Parks, based on conversations I had with some current and former park officials. I feel like we really tend to take our yurts for granted these days in our Oregon State Parks, but it wasn't so long ago that they were like this new and novel concept. Back in the early 90s, state parks were basically just campgrounds, and they were looking for a way to bring money in in the off-season. That's when one man came up with the idea to bring in yurts, a now-retired parks manager named Craig Tudor, and we just so happen to have him on the podcast today. Craig? Welcome to Peak Northwest. Well, thanks for having me. It's fun to have you here. So we want to dive into all things Europe, but before we kind of get there... I think it's important to start with the state of parks development when the yurts were introduced. And as we understand it, things weren't looking super good back then. No, they had taken us off. We were part of the Department of Transportation, mm-hmm. so we were getting gas tax money. To, and that's what built state parks. And they took us off, put us on the general fund, and we started going downhill. And we were almost right about that time in the process of getting ready to do a closure list for closing state parks because we didn't have enough money to run them. And uh, we were looking for ways to do something different. That's kind of where yurts came up. And how was that idea or how was that idea introduced originally? We had Dave Talbot was our director for over 30 years. He left and we got a new parks commission came in. They were in between directors. And because of... uh, Let's see, probably my outgoing personality. (laughs) I was selected to go to the State Park Directors Conference, which was going to be in Bismarck, North Dakota. Great place to go. (laughs) Anyways, but uh, they had lined it up so I could go to Minnesota first and meet with the Minnesota Parks Director, and the Arizona Parks Director came along too, and we went to Minnesota. Minnesota has all these lakes, Mm -hmm. and they have a whole series of cabins all over the place, and it just kind of the light went off in my head and going, you know, we need that because – 
come Labor Day, basically parks close. The campers mm-hmm. go home. We get a few RVers, but mostly mostly tenors, you know, were there in the summertime and they're gone. So we didn't have anything like that except for Silver Falls, which was our conference center. So I came back and, you know, thought that over quite a bit, looking around for different things. And then I went to the, of all places, the Oregon State Fair. And state parks always had a booth there talking Mm -hmm. to people about parks. And I'm walking around and I see this beautifully round structure, a yurt, Pacific Yurts was there. And I looked at that and I'm going, this is it. This could be it. You know, for doing that. So I went back. I was the regional manager in Tillamook for the North Coast. And uh, I talked to our director, Bob Minan. And, you know, I said, I saw these yurts at the state fair. And he said, you know, he'd seen them too. And I said, you know, let's, I'll buy one, you buy the other one. Mm-hmm. Limited money. And so he took it out of his director's budget. I took it out of my region budget. And we put two in at Cape Lookout. Did no advertising, just word of mouth people doing it. And they were booked the whole time. People would come up and bug the people that were staying there just to see what they were. <laughs> and and so that's a good opportunity to describe what exactly these things are. I, I know I see them all over the place. There's one sitting at Smith Rock. There's a bunch yeah. up and down the coast. What's a yurt? It's basically a round Mongolian tent. Yurt is actually the Russian word for the Mongolian gur, which is what the yurt is. And they were covered with felt and animal hides and everything. Basically, though, the same structure. But the the modern yurt is has 20-year last roof on them. They have a, a skylight dome in the top. They're 16 foot in diameter. They have a deck on them. They have a futon couch and a bunk bed that has a double bed and single above, heat in it. And that's your yurt today. So it makes it so when you go camping in the wintertime, which a lot of people did, mm-hmm. New Year's Eve spent the night in a yurt. You don't have to worry about the rain. You don't have to worry about drying your tent out. You can just go down there and stay in it and leave. Exactly. I know a lot of the yurts that are in state parks um, were from Pacific Yurts, which yes. is a company based in Cottage Grove. In Cottage Grove, yeah. And I believe they've been making yurts since the 1980s. Yeah. he Alan, very interesting story. He made his own yurt to start with and then a lot of his friends saw that and they wanted them and so he was working another job so he was doing this on the side and then eventually it came into being a business you know he would he would sell them all around the nation but never in state parks Hmm. and so you know him and i got to be talking and we did the first two and they're really good and i think the first two were 14 footers and we went to 16 just a a great product that he stood behind and his, his advertising was imagine Hmm. And I can tell you from the first day I saw it, all I've done is imagine how you could use these yurts. I like that. I mean, what is it about a yurt that makes it so special as opposed to, say, a cabin? Well, you know, uh, everybody, uh, and I always liken it to this, you can say, oh, I went to the mountain, stayed in a cabin. Everybody knows exactly what that is. Yeah. You say you went to a state park and stayed in a yurt. Holy heck, you had a heck of an ve- adventure. <laughs> you know, it's, it's really unique to do that. And so I think that caught the imagination of people, and it is neat. The skylight in the roof, hearing the rain on the roof, it's just a really neat little structure that works great. Works great and is kind of perfect for coastal Oregon because you mentioned it's not a place where you're going to get wet. It's a place where you can stay warm. Yeah. You know, if we were to walk in, you know, it's January, it's February, we were to book a, a yurt at the coast. Take me there. What does that feel like to kind of step in for the night and call that place your home? What's interesting, having worked in state parks for, yeah. for a long time and seeing everybody go home in the wintertime, and it, the coast is beautiful. Most of the time, the storms blow in, they're intense, and then they're gone. We have sunshine. Whereas the valley here, you guys suffer through it, overcast and drizzly. So so going to a state park and a yurt, you're going to a park where there's not a lot of people now because most of those people have gone home. So you have it a lot to yourself. It's really unique. It's great with families. Uh, it's great with your 
mom and dad who aged out and can't drive the 700-foot-long motorhome, <laughs> but they want to camp with the family again so they can rent a yurt. So it just it's done all those different things. And sounds cozy above all else this oh, time yeah, of year. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a neat feel to sit inside and read a book. We used to, when we first put them out, I had them do like a hotel would do a log book. Mm. And people would write in there their experiences. You know, we had guys coming over with their guitars writing music because it was such mm. a cozy place to sit in. We had a woman in uh, Manzanita at Nahalem Bay State Park. She brought her sewing machine down and she quilted while she was in the yurt. So it, it's been a lot for different people. And I know New Year's, there was people celebrating New Year's, drinking champagne inside a yurt, having a great time. They really seem to explode in popularity. I mean, just when I was doing the research for my story, looking back at the, the history of this. So, I mean, in 1993, when you did the first yurts, by that fall, there had been 16 yurts installed at eight state parks. Yeah. And in 1996, they added 50 more. And after a big push in 98, there were 152 yurts in 19 parks across the strait. Today, there are 192 yurts. But in that little short window of like three or four years, you went from zero yurts, who knows what a yurt is, to... There's 150 of them around the state. And it's, a, it's an interesting story because I was a regional manager in Tillamook. We did the first two at Cape Lookout. State parks with the new director reorganized. I got pulled into Salem to run marketing and public relations, which is more trying to convince people to do something rather than just taking the money and going and doing it. Mm-hmm. And so I had to convince other managers up and down the coast to go with this idea and Park managers are pretty conservative and don't like change, like a lot of people. And I got the director to put up some of the money. I put money up out of my marketing budget, and we had the parks do it. And we put 16 down the coast and was perfect because I had got into Salem and I really need to get some publicity on stuff. And I had Sunset Magazine sitting there waiting for me to get a program going. So we did the first 16 and they were so popular. It actually started us with a reservation system that we didn't have. We had to have that with the yurt program. We started putting more out because they were so popular and people wanted them. And I think a lot of the managers saw it wasn't so bad. They're used to pounding nails into stuff. And, you know, these are a canvas-sided structure that they didn't think would last. And I was thinking on the way up, I wonder if they've even replaced any of the, you know, <laughs> the canvas on the earth of the roofs. And I really don't think they have. I've not heard that. Well, they're in remarkable shape if that's the case. Yeah. yeah. So th- there was a, like a Duralast roof, the top on them, supposed to last 20 years. Well, right about there. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen some yurts where some of the fabric straps that hold the canvas down are broken. Okay. But otherwise, I've found yurts to be in, yeah. in great shape. And actually, shape. Alan would come out every few years and kind of inspect them to see how they were doing. But it was it was harder to push from being in marketing and public relations than being in operations and trying to push this through and do it. And we had limited funds, but we put them, you know, where we were getting the most bang for our buck. Well, limited funds and perhaps limited space as well. You know, it's a campground setting. Yeah, so. it, it's an interesting thing because in the wintertime, we have all the space in the world. That's Nobody's true. using them. That's and it was true. hard <laughs> convincing the managers that, you know, these are there for um, the wintertime. In the summertime, you're still going to make money on people still rent them. But the whole point was Labor Day to Memorial Day. Yeah, that whole time period where now we can bring people to the park and you, we can make money. Of course, now they're they're booked up year-round. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it was really tough to get one for New Year's Eve, Not practically bad. anywhere. So One of the, the things in my story that I thought was really interesting was this moment. Uh, as you said, state parks was in sort of dire straits at the time the yurts came yeah. in. And of course, the money from the yurts did not save no. state parks, but it, it did add this great marketing boost, like you said, mm-hmm. at a time when you know there was really – uh, the state parks were in trouble. You had a lot of people suddenly talking about state parks in a really positive way. Well, it's really funny because, you know, what do you talk about a campsite? 
and it's a campsite. You know, it's got a fire pit. You know, and right. so now you have something there to talk about. And we got coverage all over. New York Times ran it. Um, I was getting calls from all over the United States about our yurt program. People just were intrigued by it. it I know it helped Alan for his sales. But it, it was at a time when we really needed the press, you know, to get out behind us because we were going down the tube. And it wasn't until our ballot measure that when we got lottery money that, you know, kind of saved state parks. And with that wave of national publicity, and we alluded to this earlier in the program, Yurts are now a much more known commodity yes. than they were in the 90s. Can you explain a little bit of how they've, uh, for lack of a better way of putting it, kind of exploded uh, a little bit since, well, since? I think that, you know, once you set it to a state agency and you got some publicity, I got to go because we were doing something very entrepreneurish. You know, we were a state park system that's a, a very United States wise we're one of the top state park systems for the facilities we have and now we have what we have the yurts in there and so I got invited to a lot of state park directors conferences and stuff to talk about yurts and how we did it and what the formula was and everything plus I think from the publicity we had a lot of private sector people I think there's a yurt setup on down at Big Sur oh wow where they have just nothing but yurts kind of like a yurt hotel and did that and I've talked to those people because they asked how it worked for state parks because they wanted to know and Alan's used me for that a lot and i'm happy to talk about it because it's a good product and you can imagine back to that marketing phrase right back there. to that marketing phrase and it really is it's it's his whole thing was imagine you know and staying in the round is more nature like you know mm-hmm. if you really think about it than a square cabin so absolutely yeah it's just a it's just unique product it's neat it is i'm curious i mean do you feel like yurts have had their moment or is there more potential for yurts in Oregon State Parks uh, in the future? Oh, I think they're missing the boat by not putting more out. I think I told you before when we were did the, the article, you know, Bob Minan, our director, and I, we both had visions for 1,000 to 2,000 yurts in the state park system. Wow. Uh, <laughs> it's you know, a which lot. would yeah. be a lot, but it would really provide a lot. And I think we could probably fill them up. I was telling you, going to Washington State Parks, they invited us up and I met with their head of state parks up there and their staff and everything. And they have all those, you know, the San Juan Islands. And I'm going, put some yurts up there. You go nuts. You could charge a fort to boat in, stay in a yurt. Mm-hmm. People would love that. And they told me it wasn't natural hmm. to have a yurt. And I, and I wondered how natural was a Winnebago or a bright orange tent. <laughs> but they didn't go with hmm. that. And I'm going, they have a few up there now, I think, but they never really caught on and they had potential to do it even more. Man, sign me up for the boat into the San Juan oh, Islands staying at a yurt oh, yeah. experience. Oh, I, I think it'd be fabulous. I think a lot of folks would jump Yeah, that. I mean, that's another imagine thing. Uh-huh. I mean, uh, Alan and I've had a lot of conversations about, you know, different ways that I could see using the yurts. A lot of private parks put them in and use the the larger 30-footers for a meeting hall so they could have a place to meet. The idea for the hotel yurts and doing that, people were picking up. And then I got calls from Alaska from some outfitters that wanted to put them up there. They hold up really well in the snow. There's one up at Hoodoo they use as a kind of a warming tent. And it's up there year-round. They don't take it down. I mean, it withstands the snow. The, the round roof and the, the slickness of the roof means the snow comes off it pretty easy. So even though they do a snow load stuff on it, so... I believe Anthony Lakes has one or two as well out in eastern Oregon. Yeah, I haven't kept track of them as as much as I used to. But, yeah, I'd like to see more. It's like the uh, full service here. It's the ones with the bathroom and kitchenette in them at uh, Uncle Lighthouse State Park. Deluxe yurts. Deluxe yurts. And they hadn't done more of those, and they really could. 
And, you know, the, the real thing for state parks, too, was that KOA campgrounds were doing camper cabins. Mm-hmm. And state agents were not supposed to compete with the private sector. So the yurts were really differentiated us from them. Hmm. And I talked to one of the higher-ups at KOA after about three years into the program of having yurts, and he says, we blew it. We should have done yurts <laughs> rather than the cabins. But so it, it's kind of interesting to see. So, But, you know, we think just a whole bunch of different ideas. Floating yurts. I wanted to do Whoa. those at Cove Palisades State Man, Park. That would be like some next well, level. You, you build yeah, it. Yeah. It wouldn't be that hard because you'd build it on a deck. On a swim platform. With the pontoons yeah. underneath it. You could have a holding tank, you know, for any sewage stuff. People could, you know, boat out that are water skiers and stay in the yurt. You know, never got that one through. Really tried. Huh. I mean, really it's like it's that. a different twist on the houseboat experience. Almost. It is. It uh, is. It would, it would be really unique, too. And you could pull them into out-of-the-way coves where nobody's at. Hmm. People have a great experience with I wonder them, if so. anyone's doing that. I, I don't I, know. I've, I've never heard of a yurt on the water, but that'd be kind of fun. Well, I like we, it. Had, we had two yurts float, but that was at uh, Sunset Bay State Park because yeah. it flooded. <laughs> and they're on a wooden deck, <laughs> oh, and no. they actually floated off their foundations through oh, the park. Oh, no. So those were the first, you know, floating yurts. So. <laughs> that is Sunset else. Bay gets that, you know, thing. So. Wow. Anyhow, well, Craig, I thank you so much for coming oh, on no the podcast problems. today. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. It's a, you know... Oregon State Parks is one of the best state park systems in the nation based on the facilities we have. Washington doesn't have it. California doesn't have any full hookup sites and flush toilets and all of that kind of stuff. And we have yurts and a lot of stuff, and it makes us very unique. So it's a really good system. Well, it's been fun talking with you about it. And I know I learned a couple of things today. Cool. So thank you again. And we are going to talk a little bit more about yurts, including how to book one right after a short break. Jamie, one big takeaway I have from talking with Craig is that yurts are still super popular. And for folks who want to stay in one of these out on the coast or maybe in the desert, what does it take to actually book one of these? Yeah, we talked a little bit about this in a previous episode about travel planning for 2020 um, and about making state park reservations. And as we talked about with Craig, I mean, yurts are still incredibly popular year round. And where they may have been designed as a winter accommodation, they're still really a summer and winter and all season accommodation. So if you want to book a yurt, especially in the busy times in the summer or like like you said, New Year's Eve or any of these big holidays, you really got to take a look at booking one far in advance. State parks, as you mentioned in that previous episode, you can book one, a site up to nine months in advance. So if you really are wanting to get one from those busier times, Get on it ahead of time and get your name in there first. Put it on your calendar, mark nine months from the time you want to start your reservation and make it happen. That's right it. Right away, basically, because other people are doing the same thing. That's right. And there's, there's yurts now. I mean, the coast is the place where you see yurts the most. Like Craig said, that's where they were introduced. That's where the seasonal shelter was really important, especially because no one wants to camp on the coast in December. Some people do. So I was going to say, there's a, there's a hearty few who probably want to do that, but for the vast majority of folks that doesn't sound like a whole heck of a lot of fun you got to have your tarp game really on point if you want to go camping on the coast this is a phrase that you and i have used more than (laughs) once uh together but yes uh you don't want to end up middle of the night floating away as he said (laughs) some of the yurts did uh back when so the coast jamie is the best known area in oregon to go stay in a yurt but the desert is also popular 
Craig mentioned hanging out in the snow. Where, where else can you go and find one here in the state? There are other state parks that have yurts that are not on the coast um, that are, I think, really popular still among campers who are looking for that. The most prominent one, I think, is probably Wallowa Lake State Park up there in northeast Oregon on that south shore of Wallowa Lake near Joseph. Mm-hmm. They have some of the, um, I think they might be the only hard-sided yurts in Oregon State Park. So it's that kind of that wood-paneled side yurt, which is just, I don't know, it looks a little bit nicer. Yeah. I've, I mean, I saw photos, uh, or at least one photo in one of your stories about the yurts. And I mean, it's really an aesthetic, pleasing building to look at. Yeah. The canvas is always nice, of course, but that, I don't know. It just, I think it's, it shows that evolution of the yurt in state parks. Um, there's also some yurts at Shampooey State Park, which is in the Willamette Valley, close to Portland. So that's, if you're looking for a yurt and you live in a Portland area, like say you want to go out with the family and just be able to stay in a yurt in the wintertime, Shampooey is going to be probably your, your best bet. But there's also, aside from state parks, there are yurts at other county parks or private-owned campgrounds as well. Lost Creek Campground on Mount Hood has yurts. Whistler's Bend Park down near Roseburg has yurts. There's yurts really everywhere around Oregon when you're looking. Airbnb, you can find plenty of yurts just in private property too. Hmm. That's an interesting twist. Maybe, maybe, I'll say with an asterisk, uh, easier to get than through state parks where you've got maybe a nine-month window. Yeah. Um, it, here, here and there. I mean, it would be a case-by-case deal. Yeah, it depends. I mean, I'd say, you know, there's certainly a, a lot more of a variety of places to find yurts privately. Um, state parks, you have that reliable system where you're going to find, you know, you know you can go to, to a, a park on the coast and you can find a dozen or a half dozen yurts there all the time. All right, so I'll put you on the spot. Uh-huh. Uh, Jamie, do you have a favorite? You, you've stayed in a number of these. Well, I mean, the yurts in, in the state parks are all pretty much the same. The actual structures themselves, but there's yes. an ambiance. <laughs> there's a, a particular corner that you like. I think it comes down to the experience you have while you're in the yurt and what you're doing in the park while you're there. So, I mean, I the, what first comes to mind for me is staying at Fort Stevens in a yurt. I stayed there for the winter solstice a couple years back, and I had a great experience where I was able to walk from the yurt out to the ocean, up by the wreck of the Peter Eardale, and it was this you know, one of those beautiful end of fall, beginning of winter nights where the clouds were kind of thin and it was a big full moon creating this big, beautiful halo through the clouds. And I had just a beautiful night out there and I was able to come back to the yurt after getting cold and get a little cozy and warm in there. So I think that kind of, it comes down to being able to have that experience out in nature in the park and having that safe, cozy structure to come back to. Whichever kind of park experience you like the best, you can find that somewhere. That sounds great. And kind of moving forward for you, you had mentioned kind of outside the studio that you have a winter trip to the coast coming up next. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm just about to embark on my sort of annual winter coast trip I do. And this year I'm looking to maybe, it's going to be dependent on the weather, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if it's raining, I'm going to look to do some forest hikes and check out some of the waterfalls and big trees you find in the coast range that are just to the east of some of our favorite coastal destinations. Love it. Of course, if it's sunny, then I may opt for leaving the forest to do a little bit of whale watching out there in Depot Bay. Ooh, that sounds nice. I know you love Depot Bay. I love Depot Bay and I love the whales. You gotta see some gray whales out there. Well, shoot, I have not actually been on a whale watching tour before. I know you have had plenty of experience with that. Oh, yeah. I love it. So. Jim, you gotta get out there when you get a chance. Well, you had the orcas up in the San Juans. You did a big, big package of stories on that in the past. Or No, it was one very big story that you did. Yeah, one big story and a couple smaller ones from that trip. The San Juans are a great place to see orcas, but I've also seen orcas in Lincoln City. Have you really? Yeah. Huh. 
Yeah, another one of these winter days, uh, New Year's Day, I think it was. Looked out the hotel room at the Esther Lee, and right outside the window, looking at the ocean, there were these orcas that were just feasting on seals just offshore. Huh. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff you can see out there when you take the time to go and take the time to look. And that's kind of what I'm looking for in this winter coast trip. Just going, showing up, and seeing what presents itself. Kind of have two parallel itineraries. One if it's sunny. Another if it's rainy. You have to do it out there this time of year. <laughs> it's a good way to do it. But Jim, uh, of course, you have um, some great stuff. I know that you're working on that new video for the Peak Northwest, the video series. Absolutely. So uh, my next big trip, and I think I've mentioned on the podcast before, is I am going up to a fire lookout. So not quite a yurt, but a, a similar Northwest signature experience going up to a fire lookout in the Mount Hood National Forest this coming weekend, knock on wood, hoping weather and everything allows us to safely travel to and from, but kind of looking for a similarly cozy, fun experience, secluded in a different way, but truly out there just on our own away from the hustle and bustle of it all. I'm really looking forward to checking out a fire lookout because I I have never reserved one before. And I really have high hopes for a a pretty, pretty amazing trip. I'm really excited for you. And I'm excited to see and hear about this experience. You've been talking about it for so long. And I remember when you booked this fire lookout, I was just so psyched that someone was able to get a lookout and to be able to go and do it. So Jim, I'm going to be living vicariously through you a little bit on this one. I'm excited to report back uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about it again on the podcast. This is probably mentioned two or three for me uh, (laughs) of the fire lookout. So you can tell I'm excited about it, but it should make for a great video too, for our companion video series. So Jamie, lots of things to be excited about. And and I I learned a lot today from Craig as well. So yeah, yeah, there's, I mean, there's so much rich history and some of these smallest things we take for granted out there. Well, we uh, will be sure to bring on more folks to help enlighten us on that Oregon history in the future. But for now, I think it's time to wrap things up. So until next time, you can subscribe to Peak Northwest wherever you get your podcasts, watch our videos on the Oregonians YouTube channel, and follow us on Instagram at Peak Northwest. This episode of the podcast was produced by me, Jim Ryan, alongside Jamie Hale and Dave Killen. Many thanks as well to our guest today, Craig Tudor. Stay safe and happy travels, everyone. Until next week, we leave you with this 10 Seconds of Zen.